Check one, two, check. Good morning. Good to see you in the house, Lord, this morning. I hate that I am not with you in person, nor my family. We appreciate all your prayers, your concern, your condolences as we have been celebrating the life of my Nana, Nana Brenton. What an incredible saint, an incredible woman of God. Um, she went home to be with the Lord, and um, we have celebrated her, we have grieved, we have mourned, but we appreciate your, your condolences and your words of love and, and gifts that you have demonstrated your love to us. So we look forward to being back in person next Sunday with you guys, and uh, and we love you, so thank you. Let's get into the Word this morning. And if you've got your Bible, we are, of course, in Hebrews 11, continuing our epic journey through Hebrews 11. We're going to look at Enoch this morning. But I want you to know, and I believe you already do know, that we live in a world that is messed up. We live in a world that is broken. We live in a world that is in crisis. Did you know that one out of 11 millennials attempt suicide each year? That one out of 15, one out of 10, 15 year olds and younger have gone through family divorce in their lifetime? That 58% at least have been involved in objectionable content on the web. You know that use of prescription drugs are on the rise. This is a generation that's in crisis. This is a generation, we are part of a generation that is... the same so therefore we're a generation without morality by the time an average child graduates from high school that person will have watched 19,000 hours of TV including about 200,000 sexual acts and 1 million acts of violence one out of 10 high school females have reported being raped and that's just reported Fear of violence in schools is now the leading worry of public school teenagers. 48% of high school teenagers 
or sexually active. We live in an age where what's called the nuns are rising. What's the nuns? The N-O-N-E-S. The nuns. Those unaffiliated with any religion. Those unaffiliated with church or Christianity. Pew Research Center has found that the percentage of adults ages 18 and older who describe themselves as Christians has dropped by nearly 8 percentage points in just 7 years from 78.4 in 2007 to 70.6 in 2014. And those numbers today are even lower. Millennials and Gen Z are the least likely to attend church or to believe they ever will attend church. Millennials and Gen Z are the fastest growing generation in the United States. And as they grow, church attendance is in decline. According to research by San Diego State University, Millennials may be the least religious generation in the history of America, and Gen Z is, is picking up the pace. They are even more unchurched, unreligious. Millennials' lower religious involvement is due to cultural change. And Gen Z's religious involvement is due to cultural change. And many of them, not just leave church to return later, as many of us have experienced in the past, you know, adults, young adults, they hit college age, they quit going to church for a while, eventually they make their way back. But what we're finding with millennials and with Gen Z is that many are leaving the church and never coming back. And it's not to say that it is... The church is without blame on those issues. The church has failed in many ways in our culture, in our society, and in our nation. But Jesus does not fail. The church has failed in many aspects. The church has failed sexual abuse survivors. The church has failed in racial tensions. The church has failed in many areas. But Jesus never fails. And the job of the church is to be Christ-like in every area of life. To point the world to Jesus. That's the mission of the church. The church isn't the hope of the world, the church is to point to the hope of the world, and the church is to edify and lift up and exalt Christ Jesus in the world and in the church. The church isn't the hope, but the church has the hope. And unless the church begins to act like it, the nation, the world is in trouble. More of today's adolescents are abandoning religion before they even reach adulthood. 91% of this today's generation, millennials and Gen Z, 91% say there's no absolute truth. We live in an age of confusion. We live in an age of sexual confusion. 
We live in an age of gender confusion. We live in an age of brokenness. And the church, the church must be a place of truth and of love and of healing. The church must demonstrate Jesus to this broken and dying generation. Our world, church, isn't much different than Enoch's world. Enoch, Enoch lived before the flood, but the time when he lived was a time of great power for certain people, for certain men. And because men had rebelled against God, they were always turning towards evil. Remember, we talked last week of the fall. We talked about Cain and Abel. This was a rebellion. There was now rebellion, open rebellion against God. And because of this rebellion, there was an inclination to war evil, not even an inclination, but a chasing after, a running after evil. It got so bad that long, not long after Enoch went to be with God, God sent the flood to destroy the world. It was a time of selfishness. It was a time of sexual sin. It was a time of, of demonic worship. It was a time of, of man worship. It was a time where, where people were lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. But Enoch lived in this land and lived in this time and lived in this generation. And Enoch was a powerful man. He had a great city named after him. He, he was what was, is called a patriarch. Probably one of the great kings before the flood. Not only that, but he was a prophet. He prophesied that God would one day judge the wickedness of men when he comes with his holy ones. And Jude, verse 14, Jude quotes Enoch. And he says this in Jude 14, Jude chapter 1, verse 14. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. Ungodly, ungodly, ungodly. We see the word spoken several times. An ungodly generation. God is full of grace and truth and beauty and and power and love and, and mercy and holiness. Ungodliness is against those things. God is truth and in him there is no lie. But we live in an age that doesn't understand the truth, doesn't believe the truth, doesn't see truth, doesn't believe there is a the truth. An ungodliness begins to rule and to reign in our hearts. And we begin to call lies truth and truth lies. And beauty as ugly and ugliness and sin as beauty. And we miss the majesty and the goodness, 
God in the earth. This word ungodliness, it's used here in Jude of a few types of things. First one is a grumbler. A grumbler is one who is discontentedly complains against God, angry at God, mad at God, complaining about God. God, how could you let this happen? God, why is this going on? God, God, how could you be God? And how could you be good and you let this happen? How could you be good and let this happen? Why is there suffering, God? If you are good and you are God and you are all powerful, why, God? Why? And we complain and we, we question instead of seeing the beauty that God is revealed in Jesus Christ and the, the salvation that has come and the hope that has come and the mission that God has given to us, the church. We begin to complain and we grumble. We don't see goodness. We see ugliness. We don't see love. We see evil. We complain. We grumble against God. When God is Offering grace and offering healing and offering to restore and offering to bring hope to mankind through the church, the body of Christ Jesus. Grumblers. Another word that's mentioned is a, a malcontent. That's a that's a complainer. Not just one who grumbles and complains against God. But one who is always discontented, always just angry, always upset, ready to fight, ready to feel like their rights have been trampled on, ready to fight, ready to, ready to feel like someone is, has spoken a word against them and they're ready to fight. Someone who feels like they've been treated wrong and they're ready to fight, unjustly discontented. Another is sinful desires, that means lusts. It has, long, it, it, it has to do with desires and cravings and longings, sexual desires for things that are forbidden. It's a lust. It's lust, sexual sin. From creation, that God designed sex to be between man and woman in the confines of monogamous marriage relationship, that they would rule together love together, serve together. But the world has become broken because of the fall. And we see all manner of brokenness in our sexual lusts, in our sexual cravings, and in our sexual desires. But let me tell you something, church, this morning. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. You do not have to be ruled by your desires. You, you can lay them down at the feet of Jesus and find salvation and hope and life in Him. Another word here is boaster, prideful, arrogant. Look at me. Another word is favoritism. Favoritism. Showing favoritism. 
We see much favoritism in the world today. We see folks favoring one group over another group in our own lives and in systems. We see favoritism. If the world is broken, then systems are broken and people are broken. Because people are broken, systems are broken. Because people are broken, personal relationships are broken. We need Jesus to fix us so that we can bring righteousness to the world. But here's what we see. Here's what we see with Enoch. In the midst of all of this sinfulness and in the midst of all of this wickedness, in the midst of all of this ungodliness, the Bible says Enoch knew God. Enoch knew God. Genesis chapter 5 verse 18, it says when, when, when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. And Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. And when Enoch had lived 65 years, he thought fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What does that mean, for God took him? Hebrews 11, verse 5, explains this. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found. Because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Forever who would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Enoch knew God. In the midst of such a a tumultuous generation, in the midst of such chaos and, and, and wickedness and ungodliness... Enoch knew God. Hear me, church. Today, even in the midst of all of the chaos and confusion and turmoil and ungodliness in the world today, you can know God. We can know God. And like Enoch, we can walk with God. What does it mean that Enoch walked with God? It means that Enoch was in a right relationship with God. Enoch was in a right relationship with Jesus. What does it mean to be in right relationship? It means to make God's word our rule and his glory our end in all of our actions. That is what it means to to walk with God, to make God our pleasure, to make God our, our master, to make God the one in whom we find life and hope and truth and peace. Enoch knew God, and Enoch walked with God. You cannot walk with God without being in God's will. Paul says that to live in the Spirit, we've got to keep in step with the Spirit. In order for Enoch to walk with God, he had to walk according to the Spirit. He lived a life of the Spirit, a life of Galatians 5, 22 and 23, of love and joy and peace and patience and, and, and long-suffering and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and, and self-control. He walked that out. He lived that. Even before it was pinned by Paul, Enoch lived it. 
He walked with God. Walking with God is more than just being a good person, more than just going to church or being nice. Those are important things and part of your walk. They, they demonstrate a walk, but they aren't the walk. Walking with God is that substance evidence thing. We talked about it last week. By faith, living by faith. Faith is the substance. The evidence is how we live. The substance of faith produced evidences of faith in Enoch's life. And I want you to know, church, it pleased God that Enoch walked with him. Remember, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden in the evening. God has longed since creation to have this walking with us relationship. God wants us to be in right relationship with him. He wants us to know him, to spend time with him, to walk with him. God is pleased for us to walk with him. God wants to walk with us. God wants to be our strength. He wants to be our hope, our peace, our security. Nothing delights God more than for us to walk with him. I said nothing delights God more. God is a God who can be delighted. He's a God who can be made happy. And nothing makes God happier than us, his people, walking with him. But there's only one way. There's only one way to walk with him. You cannot walk with God apart from faith. You cannot walk with God apart from faith. Faith in who? Jesus Christ. To please God, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You cannot walk with God unless you believe. Faith says that I believe God exists and that through Jesus, I can know him. Faith says that because of Christ, God has good in his heart towards me. He wants to reward my faith. God wants to reward your faith. He wants to reveal himself in you. He wants to reveal himself through you. He wants to reveal himself to you. Think about that. Make it personal. God wants to reveal himself in me. God wants to reveal himself through me. God wants to reveal himself to me. See, God, through Christ, forgives my sins, heals my body, frees my emotions, changes my will, cleanses my heart, renews my mind, changes my desires, makes all things new. That is the work of Jesus. Jesus said, behold, I make all things new. Paul says, when we come to know Jesus, that the old is gone and the new comes. A new creation in Christ Jesus. No longer bound by the ungodliness of the generation that we live in, but made holy by the generation that came from Abraham. That is Jesus. God does that because of faith. Complete confidence. 
And so Enoch was rewarded by Jesus, receiving him into his presence. And we too, church, will be rewarded that way. (laughs) Right? There is no greater reward than, than to hear Jesus say, Well done, good and faithful servant, enter my kingdom. My grandmother heard that this week. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. Jesus has received her into his presence. Jesus has received other loved ones. My dad, his dad, his mom. You have folks too, I'm sure, that We're in right relationship with God through faith in Jesus, who Jesus has welcomed into his presence. And when when his saints enter his presence, he rejoices. And he says, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. God wants to walk with you like you walk with Enoch. And if you walk with him, one day you'll go to meet him. Just as Enoch was no longer on this earth, one day we will forever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with those words, Paul says. We too, if we walk with God, if we keep in step with the Spirit through faith in the Son of God, Through faith in Jesus, we too will say goodbye to this brokenness. This world of brokenness and sin. And we will rejoice in the kingdom of God. And Jesus will make all things new. And we will spend eternity in a renewed creation with God by faith. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. And I pray now that your word would accomplish everything you intend for it to accomplish. And you would meet this people in this place, in this moment, right now. In Jesus' name, amen.